This is Forum. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director since 1977. Today we're going to be talking about something that uh, we've touched on a, a few times over the year, but a lot of years, a lot of times, people just don't know what CASA is. We have Diane Bauk, a 17-year CASA volunteer and member of the CASA staff. Stacy Teason, Executive Director since 2018. There's over 10 people in your staff and a whole bunch of volunteers, right? Yes, how many volunteers do you think you have? Right now we have 79. 79? Yes. That's a major right there that we have 79 volunteers in Sioux Falls, South Dakota for CASA. We did things with Call to Freedom. They got a staff of 28 now. That shows, you know, the need that they have for, for human trafficking. We had a program last week where they have a staff of over 25. It's amazing that Sioux Falls is getting so big. It's not just a, a small office with two or three people anymore. Right. What is... CASA, C-A-S-A. Uh, you've been asked that many times, I'm sure. And well, and it's always interesting because people think of it as a Spanish word, and it's it definitely is, and it means house. But for us, it's court-appointed special advocates. And really what that means is we represent the best interests of kids who've experienced abuse or neglect in court to help them either get back home with their families, which is really what we want. Our goal is reunification. Or if we have to go the other way, we are recommending that maybe the kids have no more access to their parents and parental rights are terminated. Most of our, our families that have lived here for, well, a lot of it's generational. So we see families that have cycled through the system on a repetitive basis. So it's why it's really always exciting for us to be able to attach a volunteer to our families because we hope then that they won't re- be repeating the same ugly stuff that their moms and dads have been doing. There is a generational leap there, isn't there? Yep, absolutely. If we can break that chain. The biggest thing is, obviously, I'm not going to be an alcoholic like my mom or my dad. And they usually end up marrying an alcoholic. Um, or become an alcoholic. Or become an alcoholic. Yeah. No matter what they think, it's hard to, to get away from that. You can't do it yourself. That's that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. I had a I had a young boy that um, whose parents were heavily into drugs, and he said he, he would never do that. And yet, and we've remained friends. And he started posting things on Facebook that made me think that he was selling drugs. And I said, "You're turning out just like your parents." And he said, "No, I'm not. I'm just doing it for survival." And I said, "What do you think they were doing it for?" Yeah. And- it's uh, survival until they get caught. Mm-hmm. Um, times are changing, uh, you know, as far as uh, the laws, the uh, uh, responsibility, um, kids running over a, a retired sheriff in his bicycle and thinking they're just going to get a slap on the wrist. Um, how, do, how does that, you know, make you feel? Well, I think what we're really seeing is a lot of kids who are really struggling to figure out who they are and that so much of their identity is wrapped up in a home environment that's toxic. So when they are placed into foster care or are maybe starting to see that there's something different from what they've been living, they really don't know what to do with those feelings and those emotions. And so it's really wonderful for us to be able to have a volunteer advocate who's with them on their journey, um, hopefully having them um, get into counseling, working really closely with other programs and providers to ensure that maybe they don't get on that path that their moms or dads were. Um, We do know that, I mean, a lot of our kids end up involved with the juvenile delinquency system as they age because 
involvement got to, was too late. Um, maybe this could have been remedied when they were three or four, but the system didn't get involved until they were 16 or 17 and are out breaking laws or doing damage. So unfortunately, the system in and of itself, and I'm sure you know, John, it doesn't work as it should, um, but hopefully programs like ours are really out there making that impact and, and being able to show kids that there's another, there's another life. Long time ago, back in the 50s, Pepsi Cola had a study that uh, ended up saying, basically, if we've got you by 12, we've got you for life. In other words, you, you get hardwired uh, around that time. Uh, and that, that's what you're talking about. What's the difference between a social worker and a CASA volunteer advocate? That's a great question. Our CASA volunteer advocates are doing this as a volunteer experience or opportunity. A social worker is someone that is involved in their life because of something like a school issue a child protection issue a volunteer advocate has gone through 30 hours of intensive training and then is supported by a casa case manager on their journey as a volunteer so they're really doing it out of their own compassion their heart um, they're really there to try to make a difference um, they work closely with social workers because obviously we are building a whole new infrastructure for the family and we can't do that without our community partners so our child protection team um, the, the attorneys at the courthouse all of those people all have a hand in how our families are turning out Looking at Diane Valka, 17-year CASA volunteer, and uh, Stacy Teason, executive director since 2018. Now, they have a CASA volunteer advocate. Should they have an attorney, too? Yeah, they all have an attorney. The children have an attorney. Each um, parent has an attorney. Um, and the thing about the difference between CASA and the Department of Social Services is I, as a volunteer, meet with these children I personally meet with them once a week where that uh, person with the Department of Social Services probably gets in the home or the foster home once a month. And so as a CASA volunteer, any information that I receive either from my visit with the parents or the children or the school or the counselors, I relay that on to the Department of Social Services so that I can help them with um things that are going on because I might see something that they might not be able to see. Well, family is a strong bond and they'll say, well, that's my son. That's my daughter. But when they get in court, they realize, well, especially in a divorce, you find out that it's really the state that tells you what that child's going to do. It's not you. You're going to, the state is going to tell you, uh, if they come with you or, or your, your spouse or, uh, if they're taken away from you. Um, it's hard for, in effect, that strong bond, though, can it be dangerous to be a volunteer? Um, I've never found it to be dangerous to be a volunteer um, at all. And I've been doing this for a long time, and I've never had any concerns. Um, most of my meetings with the parents are in a um, social setting. Not a social setting, but, so. yeah. And um, unless... I don't go into the home unless we're thinking about sending the children. And if, I, if I'm afraid to go in the home, there's no way that those children should go back into the home. So, You work with the children's in quite a bit. Uh, no. We don't Not really. No. They, by the time I get involved in, in a case as a volunteer, those children have probably either been placed with kinship care 
or in a foster home or maybe one of the uh, other types of homes for um, children that have more behavioral issues. Sometimes the moms do and sometimes the kids when they're initially removed if they can't find a placement option for them immediately they will be at Children's Inn for a little bit. We love Children's Inn and the staff there but for for the most part um, we use them to educate our volunteers on what domestic violence looks like and how it impacts kids and to tell us a little bit about their services but um, our kids don't typically end up there. Uh, They might with their mom if they're prior to removal or after but Um, We would be hoping with reunification that mom's found herself a safe place and she's not with a partner who has been abusive to her. So your goal is to get them back to the family. Yes, that's always our goal. Now, if they separate them from the parents, like you say, maybe they're drug dealers or alcoholics or whichever, uh, do they keep the kids together as far as sisters, brothers, that type of thing? They do the best that they can. Um, Sometimes those sibling groups can be bigger, so if there's four or five kids in a family unit, um, it's a struggle to find foster parents anyways, but to find a foster parent that can take on four or five children at one time. Um, So if they can't, they do their best with trying to schedule visits and make sure that they're having every opportunity to be together. But their goal is, in an initial placement, is to have them be with their siblings. Um, Sometimes there's different moms or different dads, and so um, those aren't necessarily... They're definitely siblings, but they're not always considered a priority then, um, even though they may have grown up together. So it's, it's a challenging situation all the way around. We just need more foster parents. You mentioned kinship care. Yes. That's like the grandpa? Yeah, or an aunt or uncle. Could even be a close, a fictive kin. Could be someone who's a close family friend that would know the kids. Now, the, you know, the parents, maybe they, they, they're sent to jail and it's in court and it's a mess. So basically, you're there to protect that child's rights. Right. You, it's like an attorney, like a social worker. You kind of are the bridge between all of that. Um, And so what my role is, again, is to visit with all the people that are involved with this child, and then um, I write a report to the judge, and um, I state what I believe is in the best interest of this child. Um, And so I gather all the facts to, you know, make that recommendation as to what I believe. Um, We like to say that we're the eyes and the ears for the court, um, because we do spend more time with the children and the family than DSS is so overworked and um, so many cases that, uh, you know, it's easier for us to be able to make that. I mean, I feel like I can make a good rem, uh, recommendation because of the involvement I've had with that family. Our volunteers are really only assigned one case at a time, whereas a DSS, our Child Protection Services worker, might have upwards of 20 to 25 cases at one time, and they're just trying to put out fires and stay ahead of all the situations, the court dates, all the things. And so our volunteer advocates get to really spend a lot of time and know intimately the things that are going on in that home environment. I watch Law & Order. <laughs> it's somewhat like tv isn't it a little bit i'd like to think it's as dramatic but it doesn't ever feel that dramatic um i think we have wonderful state's attorneys that are uh, dedicated to the ann process abuse and neglect and then there's one judge that's assigned to the abuse and neglect court so we get to know the players really well and there's not that many attorneys that are taking ann cases as well so the, the number of people that are continuously working on the behalf of the kids and and getting them home is small um but as a big picture 
it's always dramatic because you can't imagine having your kids removed. Parents don't choose to have their kids get taken away. They don't choose to become drug addicts. Sometimes that, that generational piece of trauma that they've never worked through really impacts their ability to make good choices, starting with, of course, the the safety and well-being of their children um so when those kids are removed they're absolutely at the bottom the worst they've ever been in their life and so having someone like our casa volunteer advocates getting to know them and spend timing with them helps build them up too we often say that our volunteer advocates become cheerleaders for moms and dads because those moms and dads have never had someone in their corner saying i'm so proud of you i know you can do this and so just recognizing that connection that happens all the way around from our volunteer advocates to those families it's just huge now is the cost of volunteer court ordered yes and how does that happen um, we get the petitions. Um, that's currently my position at CASA is I'll receive the every petition that comes through for an abuse and neglect case for both Minnehaha and Lincoln County. And um, we'll request that the CASA office be assigned. And then our case managers will look at all the petitions and they'll find what they feel is a good petition petition or a good case for their volunteer and uh, once the volunteer um, looks at the case and makes sure that there's no conflict of interest they will accept the case and then I will ask the judge to appoint them to that case and the judge will sign an appointment and it gets filed and and it gets returned to us that will allow a volunteer the right to talk to everyone involved in the case information yeah do you come across any human trafficking well what we do know is that um kids in foster care especially as they are older are targeted by traffickers because they are so vulnerable so i would say between the ages of 14 and 18 we know that some of those young ladies and men too boys are um subject to being um, easy victims because they're looking for that love they're looking for that relationship but for the most part it's not it's not trafficked kids it's kids who've just been living in a really toxic home environment and are needing to be safe do some of these kids get involved with gangs i don't know that we've seen any of that That's good. um you know really what we're seeing now and what i'm seeing when the petitions are coming in are a lot of babies who are born with methamphetamines or other things. We've had HIV, we've had syphilis, syphilis we've had All gonorrhea. All at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so then, you know, if the baby tests positive, the Department of Social Services will look at um, that family unit to see what's going on. And often that that baby will be taken into care. And, and, and a lot of times those babies are in NICU. And so, you know, the parents don't show up to see the baby and there'll just be some red flags that that um, the hospital staff will see. And, and they're really good, the hospital staff, about letting DSS know what's going on. Well, what is the rights of even a baby? What, what are their legal court rights? It's a good question. Um, Obviously, there aren't specifically. I mean, we'd like to think that there's a Children's Bill of Rights out there, but there really isn't. Um, parents seem to have more rights than the kids do, um, which is why you'll see that our cases trend upwards of 18 months to two years before there's a final resolution. Parents get every chance to get their kids back. 
And uh, unfortunately, sometimes that just drags on too long, especially if it's a brand new baby. Uh, Mom's been a heavy active user. She has had kids removed before and then the parental rights terminated on them. Um, we, We treat every case as a blank slate and we work from the beginning. But we know sometimes when those moms are on their fifth or sixth baby that we would really like a rubber stamp. And that's, that's not how it works. So we follow the rules of the law and we remain objective throughout it all. But um, unfortunately, sometimes those, those parents just really struggle with getting clean and staying sober. Well, I know with other programs we've done with Carl Freedom and others, that uh, South Dakota has had cases where they've sold babies. Um, it, like I say, hopefully you don't see too much of that in, in your part. But uh, nope. uh, no. that stuff does happen. And... Uh, uh, I guess parents today aren't my grandfather's parents. Um, the family unit uh, is struggling, isn't it? I would say mental health is a huge problem for a significant majority of our kids. We have about 500 kids that come into care or that we serve in our office every year. And when you start peeling away the layers. Diane has made a fabulous spreadsheet for me on the issues that are permeating our families. And some of those are really just the mental health, the meth use, the alcohol. And then a lot of it is parental incarceration. Parents are in and out of jail. Um, A lot of domestic violence, so aggravated assault, simple assault charges. Um, So the toxicity of what's going on in our family units are definitely not things that your grandparents or my grandparents would have encountered. Um, Yeah. The child doesn't have a choice. They didn't choose their parents. No, they didn't. And they love their parents. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's the most important part. Our kids don't know their home life isn't normal. They think everyone gets locked into their room at night, that they don't get supper when they come home from school, that no one's telling them to do their homework, or they're just getting put in front of a video game and no one's talking to them, or they're being left home alone for days on end, wondering who or what. Sometimes our kids are getting themselves to school when they're six, seven, eight years old because they know they're supposed to be in school. A lot of our kids are the parents in their family structure. Mm -hmm. And and the hard thing for these kids then when they go into foster care is to not be that parent. And we just want kids to be kids and not to have to parent their siblings. And it becomes very difficult for that that child that has been that parent. Do you get a lot of runaways? We get a few. We've had a few. I had a case where I had a runaway. And unfortunately, we were not able to, to find this child and... Um, aged out of the system. In Ohio, they have a lot of cases of children just disappearing. Uh, do we see that in South Dakota at all? There might be in, like, we see, obviously, there's a big movement right now with missing, murdered, and indigenous women. Uh, there are some gaps, obviously, but again, with the kids that we're working with, they're being removed from their home environment. The parents are notified of what's happening. Most of the time, the parents are involved in the removal because they're home when it's happening um so no i i wouldn't say that that's no an issue well many young people are looking for a home a family mm. uh sadly it ends up sometimes a gang becomes their family um that's a problem in the bigger cities not so much here yet i guess in a sense but the fact that you have 78 volunteers is that enough volunteers to handle no uh, no it's not. <laughs> no great question um roughly right now we have 161 kids on our waiting list and so that's 161 kids in need of a volunteer advocate so 
we have a hundred capes campaign that we've been doing for the last couple of months trying to recruit a hundred new casa volunteers we have not yet been able to achieve that goal so we're still out there looking for people who are interested in becoming a volunteer advocate have you ever had a volunteer uh, uh, adopt or foster carer challenge not yeah. while they're a volunteer but um I, and i don't know of any that have actually adopted, adopted. no but uh, we've had <clears throat> We've had volunteers that have been foster parents. Mm-hmm. Um, the staff that have been foster parents. Yeah, staff that have been foster <laughs> our, parents. Our team is committed to the kids that we serve. That's the big thing. Uh-huh. Um, but we do know like some of the foster parents end up adopting the kids that they've had placed with them because they've been with them maybe two years longer, mm-hmm. and they've really fallen in love with their kiddos. And so from that standpoint, but volunteers, we give them permission as long as they've checked with Child Protection Services to stay in contact with those kids after their case has been dismissed. Um, but that's really a personal thing for them. And like Diane's been... A volunteer like you said for 17 years and she's got some of those kiddos that she still talks to and they're grown-ups these days yeah can, uh, the, can <laughs> the parents change i mean they you, can you put put the child back in the family thinking everything's going to be mm-hmm. all right um it's not easy for them to change though is it no i don't think it's easy for any of us to change mm-hmm. um much less somebody that doesn't know what it's like to be a parent yeah. um i've had a case where um one of my um, really good kids that I've been in contact with all the time um, now has a child in in um, care, and it gives me much more empathy for this these parents because I know what she went through her life, and you know. Well, how do you fund Casa? How do you fund? Right now, we have to say a little bit of United Way because we are a Sioux Empire United Way partner agency, and we're grateful for that. So thank you to everyone who has donated or is donating to United Way. Um, the rest of it is a couple of grants. Like we have a VOCA grant, um, a CASA Commission grant, CIP grant. So some grant dollars, but the rest of it is local money coming to us from wonderful donors who understand our mission or who are new to our mission and really have empathy for the kiddos that we serve. But our budget, um, in order to maintain the quality staff and, and the, the need for more volunteers, um, we're always looking for dollars. So absolutely 100%, um, we, we don't generate revenue. We don't generate revenue and we don't have, um, we're not billing the kiddos for the services that we're providing. So at the end of the day, every dollar that we get, we're grateful for and um, so appreciative of the people who believe in the work that we do and we try to be great stewards with the dollars that we get. Well, your your, your website I'm looking at uh, as a volunteer, advocacy is never canceled. We need you. Um, a child uh, out there needs an advocate uh, very much, I think, because they're in a court system. They, they don't have any idea no. of... Uh, it's got to be overwhelming for them, isn't it? Yeah. From the very beginning. I mean, yep. it's, it's frightening for them when they get removed. Lots of times law enforcement is involved, so there's sirens. Might be happening in the middle of the night, waking them up from a dead sleep. Mom gets arrested. Dad gets arrested. Something's going on. And then all of a sudden they're placed with this new family that they don't know, and they don't have a clue. And they're supposed to just act like everything's fine and they might go through i mean they'll obviously get an attorney but they might go through an attorney or two they'll go through maybe a couple of different child protection services workers 
the CASA volunteer is the constant, the person who stays with them throughout the case and really gets to know everything about them. It shows up at soccer games. It shows up at Christmas programs. Um, we just had one show up the other day for a track meet. So just the kinds of things that our CASA volunteer advocates can do that's positive and supportive for those kids. Well, they're a file, but they're also a life. Exactly. And as a volunteer advocate, you have a chance to change that life. Uh, be an advocate for a child. Uh, you know, if if I saw a dog that was abused and and it was that you know picked up at the Humane Society, you know that you can do something to to uh, make that dog know what love is. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of these kids don't know what love is. No, they don't know what real love is healthy love is i i I do believe these parents love their kids it's just not the kind of healthy love that they should have and um and the sad thing is as much as they love these kids sometimes that matthews is just there's just circum they just can't get past using math it's not that they don't love those kids it's just something that they cannot overcome it's a terrible drug and we're seeing so much more of it and even worse drugs coming across the border in the south um are we seeing do you see any fentanyl in these cases yep we have i think we have a pretty solid mix we have fentanyl heroin um, cocaine obviously is not a big one um but definitely alcohol and then meth meth is the primary but they're sometimes just a mix i mean our families if their use is severe enough they're intravenous drug users they're using whatever they can get their hands on obviously prescription drugs that are not theirs Um, there's just a, a a wide array of circumstances that our families find themselves battling and unfortunately the kids are the fallout Mm-hmm. No. And the sad thing is they're doing these things to self-medicate because they probably had a lot of trauma in their life that they have never addressed. And so this is their way to self-medicate. It is a trauma. Are they suffering from PTSD? I'm sure a lot of them. Are, especially the ones yeah. that have. And I think the the parents probably are, are yeah. too. Yeah. Yes. To stand up for their hopes, dreams, and futures, um, be willing to try something unique and forever change your life. Now, you train the volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a, a lot of uh, uh, programs that you take out for service clubs and educate people and that type of thing. Uh, to be a volunteer, you just have to be 21, mm-hmm. have the ability to communicate effectively orally and in writing, yes, and possess mature judgment, a high degree of responsibility, sufficient time. Uh, in today's world, that's a big one. That is yeah, a big one. You advocate for the best interest of the child and uh, to be able to relate to the person of different cultures, backgrounds, and socioeconomic statures. Mm-hmm. Are, are, are we seeing um, a uh, immigrant uh, flow of, of, of people coming to the court? No. Uh-huh. No. That's good, too. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Sioux Falls is a pretty good place yes, to be, I think. It uh, is. Yeah, I, I think Sioux Falls is a great community. I just don't think Sioux Falls realizes what goes on behind closed doors. And to these children, and those children are in schools with their children and, um, you know, maybe disruptive in class because or bullies because of what's going on behind closed doors. I always say it's Sioux Falls' little secret, dirty little secret, because there is so much going on and and if we have 500 kids going through how many are not being reported they do fall through the cracks don't they yes absolutely i had a case where there was 
34 referrals before they were finally uh, taken into care. McCrossin's Boys Ranch uh, has some advantages, doesn't it? That's where some of our older young men end up um, because there's no placement options available for them. We love McCrossin's. We think they do good work. Well, they teach you how to how to live mm-hmm. um, and support yourself. Diane Bauk, did I say that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and uh, Stacy Teason, Executive Director. Uh, 17 years, Diane, with uh, being a volunteer. Why do you do this? I say it's a mom thing. My mom, um, uh, us, I have four brothers, and we often say, you know, the saying was WWJD, what would Jesus do? And we always said WWJD, what would Joyce do? That was my mother. And she kind of instilled um, the community service in me. And I started out at a very young age um, working with kids as far as like years ago before there was brothers and sisters. At the Y, there was a Uh, little pals and big pals and I was a a big pal to a little gal that was four years old and she's now going to be 40 and she's like a huge friend of mine and instead of playing with Barbies now we'll sit down and have a cocktail together so our time is going by so fast where can they find out more information or, or contact you you absolutely can check out our website at SiouxFallsCasa.org. You can give us a call at 605-339-9492 or, you know, just Google us. But we're out there and we're always in need of new volunteers. Diane Balk, 17-year CASA volunteer, member of the CASA staff, and uh, Stacy Teason, executive director of CASA, C-A-S-A. Um, there's a kid out there right now. That is probably doesn't have the slightest idea. He's got uh, uh, things to do in court, and um, that's what you do to advocate for that child. And and again, if people want to uh, help funds wise or to volunteer, um, you're always looking for that, right? Yes, sir. That, that's right. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Thank you so John. much, John. This was great.